Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes available at Amazon in paperback, ebook, and Kindle format, and in audible format, that's for you audiophiles, Volumes 1 through 9, and I keep saying it, but soon 10 are available at Audible, Amazon, and iTunes as well. So please, go out and buy some copies. Remember, Christmas is coming. (laughs) Stocking stuffers, gifts for your enemies, and gifts for your friends. (laughs) And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how's it going, brother? It's going all right. How about you, Bill? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, starting to do a little bit of the fall yard work. And uh, this this year has been the year of the house for me. <laughs> yeah, well, you got you to gotta have those years once in a while. Yeah, it was getting away from me. Catching you know, up with, with the, stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was getting away from me, and it's been a lot of uh, hard work and ongoing effort. But it's I'm rounding the final corner. Yeah, I got like Max. I got like Max a year of the inside of the house, doing some work inside the house. <laughs> Last year I did the outside; that's doing okay. But inside, I need some tile work and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Well, I'm like Max Verstappen, rounding the final turn in Dubai. Oh boy! <laughs> Orange smoke in the background. <laughs> Yeah, it's cooling down over here, and you know it's we're getting into that fall season. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I put up a large Bigfoot out in my front yard with uh, glowing red reflective eyes, so people coming up and down the street <laughs> can see that at night and be like, "Whoa, what the heck!" By the way, Bill, <laughs> I'm waiting for the stencil. Yeah, I just put your address on the tube. All right, we're getting I'm out by the mailbox each day like a little kid. <laughs> I'm looking for the Sears Witch, Wish Book catalog. I cleaned up my workshop. I'm ready to go. Put a new blade in the saber saw. You're like uh, Wile E. Coyote tapping his foot after he dropped a piece of mail in for Acme. <laughs> Remember that? He put an order in for something. He'd stand there and the truck would come racing across the <laughs> desert and throw the package out at them. <laughs> so stupid, man. Good stuff, though, you know. Oh, it's good. It's good. But I'm looking uh, yeah, forward to yeah. it. It'll be good with the early darkness in the evening. I'm thinking about hooking up maybe some solar-powered glowing eyes. 
Yeah, I, you know, I tried to find some, Kev. If you come across anything, let me know. Oh, uh, I can hook you up with that. Yeah, I couldn't find anything that looked like it would work well. Uh, there were bicycle lights and uh, lawn lights, but nothing like this to correct like size. No demonic uh, Bigfoot lights. No, they don't sell them. If you, you can believe did that, you try you know? Amazon. Just search on <laughs> demonic, maybe Dogman lights. Light, lighted eyes. Yeah, I think they got them. <laughs> I think there's a big market there. People are overlooking. Oh, all over the place. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was going to glue my my own face on the Bigfoot, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I figured that would be too frightening. Yeah, you don't want to cause know. traffic jam and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. We got a good one this week in the news. Okay. Encrypteds in the news and other oddities. This past week, there was a... Uh, Reported sighting of the hairy man himself, Bigfoot, from a tourist train in a remote part of Colorado. I don't know mm. if you saw this, but it was basically on every single news outlet. Yeah, I actually did see it, but I'm going to reserve my comments. All right. All right. Well, you'll get your opportunity. <laughs> but basically, um, these people were on a train ride, which is the Durango to Silverton narrow gauge railroad train, which, by the way, Bill, in case you're looking for something for Christmas, this is one of the things on my bucket list is to go and ride this train. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's a tourist steam train goes like through these rickety uh, mountain overpasses and trestles and along the mountain ledge. It's just spectacular, you know. I've seen uh -huh. it on YouTube. I haven't seen it in person, but definitely want to do it. So these folks are riding on this historic train during the daytime, and they're looking out at this kind of, I'd call it like high desert up there. You know, it's like uh, scrub bushes on kind of a tan uh, dirt and sand background, right? Not not really tall trees in this part. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're looking out and they spot movement on the mountain hillside, pretty far away from the train. And the people next to them uh, see it as well, sitting on the train next to them. And they grab their phone and start doing a videotape. And when you look at this videotape, there's like this thing running along uh, through the scrub bushes. But the amazing thing to me was like the coloring of it was like exactly like the land, almost like somebody with like a ghillie suit on. You know, that's what I first thought. Like the camouflage coloring was seemed to be perfect. And uh -huh. then they have a couple of still photos that they zoomed in on. So this thing kind of goes running along and then it sits down and they have a zoomed in picture of this thing sitting down. And it is, I mean, it clearly looks like a Bigfoot. It's not like the classic, well, if you squint and tap your toe three times and spin around once, maybe you see the Bigfoot. So, and before we get into, you know, real or fake and our opinions, um, let me just tell you where this is, too. So the Durango and Silverton Narrow Gauge Railroad, again, in case you want to look it up and get me a ticket, Bill, 
Um, <laughs> it's down in the southwestern corner of Colorado, near Durango, hence the name. And Durango is very close to the border of Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah. So all those four states come together right there at the corner of Colorado. So not a lot going on down there either. Pretty rural place. Yeah. Now, uh, I actually know a fellow who is down in that region right now. Uh, I think he's there now. If not, he's going this month uh, hunting the high country there for mule deer. Yeah. Good place for mule deer. And uh, we'll get into his stuff in book uh, 11 when that comes out. I'm almost done with book 11. Uh, This fellow was a guide uh, on a ranch Pikes Peak in Colorado for 30 years. And this old boy had some tales to tell, I guarantee you. (laughs) But to talk, tell us more about this area. Yeah, so this thing, uh, uh, this sighting um, of uh, what appears to be Hairy Man to me has like long, um, light brown hair which is, by the way, the same exact color of all of the grass and bushes and everything else around it. It's seen running along on two feet, and then it sits down. And it's it's unmistakable. Like, this is not a bear. This is not a deer. It's broad daylight. And it is far away, but it's unmistakable that it is uh, some type of Bigfoot creature or, you know, it could be someone faking um, and dressed up like a Bigfoot creature. But my opinion when I saw it, Bill, was this looks real. And you know me, I'm, I'm Mr. Everything's Fake. But it's also in the middle of nowhere. So it would be kind of an odd place to get to, to put on your Bigfoot, Bigfoot suit and run around. I guess on the positive side, I don't think there's a lot of people hunting there next to the train, so you might not get <laughs> shot. <laughs> Well, W.J. Holmes here, 221B Baker Street, London, at your service. Uh I have an entirely different opinion of this uh, video. You think it's a bear? Uh, I do not think it's a bear. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's some dopey little white guy. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. All right. Uh, first of all, relative to the location, uh, you know, if you could get yourself a couple of million hits on uh, YouTube and all the publicity this thing is getting, uh, to some people, that seems to be worth it at any price. So you could arrange for somebody to be in a location. Absolutely. And you do know when the train is passing, right? That's right. It's the only train that goes on this track. I agree with that. Right. And if you knew the time of day it was leaving and about how long it would take to get to there, and then you start your game of moving along the hillside. Yeah. But now here's the thing. That is not my reason for saying this is an absolute fake, in my opinion. The first thing I noticed was the baggy nature of the fur and what I believe is nothing more than like a a, a picture like a, a Carhartt work suit with a hood covered in fur from head to toe, all the same uniform length. 
I, I see this thing just flopping around on the arms and legs and the body as this guy is traversing this hillside. And as if that wasn't enough, and this, by the way, is one of my reasons for the validity of the Patty film, as many people have heard me say. In the Patty film, that skin and fur is attached to uh, skin and muscle. That is the difference. When you see that guy sit down on the Zoom, you could clearly see the outline of this uniform fur in a line surrounding its face like a hood zipped up tight. And I swear to you, I see a pair of dark aviator sunglasses on that white guy's face. Really? You see all of that in that image? All of it. It was so obvious to me that I said, I can't believe that nobody is, is just, that it's even getting airtime. Uh, I, yeah, because I, mean, I went through the comments too, and um, there's a lot of believers looking at this. Yeah. Hey, you know, look, people can choose that. But look, in my business, uh, I'm not one just to bow down. And I say this to the audience because... I'm not one just to buy hook, line, and sinker into anything that comes down the tracks. Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff that I just said fake right off the get-go. And then I've seen other things like the uh, Craven Bigfoot, uh, the one crossing the stream that we did a while yeah, ago, yeah. Uh, the Patty film. Well, uh, and and the, uh, the Swamp Apes. Yeah, that Swamp Ape couple was of them, outstanding. A couple of the footage of the Swamp Ape is fantastic. Yeah, I've seen about a half a dozen over the past few years, uh, maybe five years, uh, that I thought were outstanding footage and that I believe were the real McCoy. This, I think, uh, I am certain in my own mind and heart that this is some white guy in a zoot suit <laughs> uh, and that they planned this, a coordinated effort, that they would sight it looking out the window, that the cameras would be at the ready, uh, that they could get a good, clear footage for you. know, this is very stable, too. Yeah. It's, it's like they were ready for it, you know, yeah. uh, in my opinion. And uh, not that you couldn't get stable film in that setting, you know, but it just, it, it's not the filming and it's not the train. It's the fact that I think what I'm looking at is a total fake. All right. I got to look at some of the uh, other... Uh footage because the ones I saw was pretty far away. It was hard to, other than the zoomed in still photo, it was hard to see that movement. Hard for me to see that movement. But. Well, see, at a great distance, even some of my co-workers, knowing what I do, uh, were saying to me, hey, Bill, did you see the footage of the Bigfoot in Colorado? And uh, they were all duped by it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're thinking this is the real deal and they're showing it to me like they want to chime in with Mr. Bigfoot, you know, and show they're interested, you know, which I can appreciate. Sure. You know, they're, they're gassed up about it. But as soon as I looked at it, I said, that is an absolute freaking fraud. All right. <laughs> well, usually we agree. Right now we disagree on this one. There you one. go. I, I think it might be real, but I got to look at, uh, got to find some of that footage that you saw. Now, it would have been nice if a legitimate Bigfoot had come down the cliff face and chased him across the hill and down into the valley. Maybe pulled his mask <laughs> off and gave him a little punch in the face. 
<laughs> and then grabbed his aviators and put them on. <laughs> yeah, cool Joe Bigfoot. Yo, man. give me those glasses. <laughs> Yo, um, give me those glasses, fool. <laughs> yeah, so that's my take on the Colorado, the latest Colorado Bigfoot encounter. All right, well, you know me. I'm doubting Thomas, and I like this one. <laughs> well, let's do it again. You know, when you go out there on your uh, bucket list ride, let's plan for somebody to run along the hillside. I need you to get me that ticket for Christmas, though. Christmas is coming. <laughs> Yeah. Steam train ride, it's not expensive. Yeah. But to buy one is expensive. I'll even shovel a coal. <laughs> Throw some wood in a boiler. I don't know. Coal, wood, whatever. Wood. Then you come out with a dirty face and you could run across the hillside. Exactly. Side. There you go. <laughs> Just drop me off here, fellas. Hold on to my phone. Look at that pole cat run. <laughs> Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, I think he stepped on a rattlesnake. He doesn't look good. <laughs> Interesting, uh, but uh, there's no way anybody's selling me on that one. All right, all right. So, well, that's uh, all we got this week. Folks, you let us know. You check out that video and uh, write in and let us know at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, and uh, we'll see what you all think as well. <clears throat> yeah, now I have something really cool here today, and it's cool for a couple of reasons. Number one, the last name is changed, as I do in all my accounts, but Jerry started out as a fan of the podcast, had contacted me a long time ago, and now I consider him a personal friend. He's a good guy, uh, former pilot. Uh, was grounded because of a physical issue he had, just uh, couldn't take to the air anymore, and now he drives a truck, Kev. And he's planning to put on the side of his uh, sleeper box a, uh, a, a vinyl cutout of some kind, having it custom-made, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Whoa. So I can't wait to see that. Uh, he's going to get my approval on it before he puts it up, but he is freaking psyched to do so. And this sighting, as you're about to hear, uh, was seen while he was a bush pilot uh, in Alaska. So let me get right into it. Uh, Jerry said, and I, of course, did this interview with Jerry, I'm 53 years old now, Bill, and I remember the moment of the sighting like it was yesterday, etched in my mind's eye. I had fulfilled all the necessary training to receive my private pilot's license when I was 17. At 23 years of age, I got my first commercial gig, training and flying bush in Alaska. It was the middle of August 1996 when this sighting had occurred. I was flying a Piper Cherokee single engine job that day, my passengers being four in number and a lap baby, as we referred to the little buggers. An infant was allowed to be held by its mother during the flight, and she was sitting in the rear of the cabin. They were native people, 
and as such were familiar with the fact that orcas are seen traversing the Lynn Canal, which was one of the routes we could take northbound to Skagway, asking me if we could take that route today. Earlier in the day, I had performed a mail run southbound over the canal, and having seen no orcas, I told them as much. This then flipped our flight plan to fly over the Mendenhall Glacier from Juneau north to Skagway instead, a very scenic area to pass through. All the pilots were trained in and knew this mountainous terrain like the back of their hands, flying using visual navigation methods. In these parts, it was like driving a motocross bike on a track you knew very well. This region ranges between seven and 10,000 feet in elevation. But I was flying 1,000 feet over the terrain as we made our way over and up through the glacial moraine. The day was perfect as far as the weather was concerned, a rare occasion in these parts. Until then, the only thing I had ever sighted on the ground when flying was an occasional glacier bear or a mountain goat both being a rare occasion, and of course, the snowmobiles, but only within about 10 miles of Juneau. Beyond the 10-mile limit, you're entering into no man's land, a proverbial moonscape of desolate wilderness containing mountains, ice, and snow, as far as the eye can see when you can see, which is not always the case. As I said, we were cruising at about a 1,000 feet, trained that this would give us enough glide time to follow the slope of the terrain should we have an engine failure, allowing us to hopefully reach the shoreline of Lynn Canal to set the bird down. That's the plan anyway, but anything can and will happen in these parts, as you are about to hear. I was cruising at 140 knots, now about 30 miles north of Juneau, where we had taken off from. This being no man's land unless our pilots had brought you here, which did happen. Governmental people, generally science-related, check the glacier periodically, taking core samples and the like, keep, keeping an eye on things. Looking downward, I began to pick up on a very linear track line in the snow, in appearance looking like those made by people snowshoeing. But nobody would be doing that out here unless you had a death wish. Having seen these tracks, I was now keeping a close eye on them from above, following them from, for about four or five miles, looking for what was making them, when finally they were below me. I knew what I was seeing and throttled back the power, descending into a slow turn. When any engine noise occurs or there's any deviation when flying passengers up here, panic sets in. They think something's wrong with the plane and that we will crash land. So the man sitting next to me says, is anything wrong? I was now banking downward to an elevation of about 800 feet from 1,000, not willing to go any lower with the passengers on board, particularly a baby. I remember thinking to myself of all the dumb luck that I must be carrying passengers the day I see a group of Sasquatch traversing the glacier. 
I would have given those boogers a crew cut flying low and slow if they weren't with me. I said to the man, look down there, to which he said, what are they? And I said, Sasquatch. There were about five or six of them, and my plane flying over them, which I am confident they could hear and were aware of, did not phase them in the least. They also didn't stop and wave, which would be typical of a group of humans, but these were not humans. There wasn't any time to waste with little daylight left in the afternoon, so I pulled the piper back up to altitude and onward to Skagway. A couple of days afterward, I was in Huna, speaking with a woman I knew there, who just happened to be friendly with my boss, and I told her what we had seen. She said, oh yes, those critters are around these parts. We had one of them bust through the middle of a moose and a bear fighting in a local schoolyard in Haines up north. The bear had a bite hold on the moose's nose, and the Sasquatch ran right through the middle of them, breaking up the fight and continuing into the woods. She told me, don't tell the boss what you saw, or he'll fire you on the spot. Ten days later... The airport and crew were socked in by foul weather, all sitting around relaxing and waiting. I had gone into the bathroom, finding my place in the stall, when I heard my boss come in. Fire me or not, I couldn't resist. And I said to him, hey, Joe, are there any Sasquatch up here? And he said to me, does a bear crap in the woods? I had an open door and told him what I had seen on the glacier. He said that some of the governmental folks he flies into the area occasionally believe that they are coming across the Canadian border, going to the Lynn Canal when the salmon are running thick, a prominent food source. So I didn't get fired after all. I live close to Mount St. Helens, which is reported to be a hot spot in the world of Bigfoot. Even you, Bill, have several accounts stemming from that area. But as for me, I have seen nothing. But I know what I saw that day over the Mendenhall. They were the real deal. Straight from the horse's mouth. Certainly uh, a rural enough place with plenty of food supply, too. But how about the strength and stamina of these creatures? Jerry calls this area no man's land, even for snowmobilers uh, outside of like, what did he say, 10 or 30 miles outside of Juneau? Yeah. And there's really nothing there. And if you get stuck, man, you're going to be in a world of hurt. That's how Alaska is, though, Bill, I got to say. Like, anytime you're... 30 or 40 miles outside of any city, which there aren't many, um, you get stuck, you're in for a world of hurt. You know, there's no 911. There's no roads. Yeah, there's nothing. You know, I mean. And guys guys like Jerry and uh, these other crews up there, they were the guys who trafficked people in and out, brought supplies, took you to the doctor, to the hospital. You know, I mean. The people up there really rely on these guys uh, for the services they need. Without them, I don't know what they would do. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the shock for me. The first time I was up there, um, you know, five or six years ago, was like Juno's, the capital of Alaska. 
And like I flew into Anchorage and you can't drive to Juneau. There's no right, roads going to Juneau. Right. And that's the capital. I know. So it's crazy. So you can only you're, get you're, there by like boat, you know, snowmobile, or typically the most common way is by bush plane. Yeah. And I forget the stat, but I think it's like one out of four or one out of five people in Alaska have a bush plane license. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Because it's like a driver's license. Yeah, and, and they get some type of little plane, some little uh, Cub, Champ Cetabria, oh, something yeah. or other. Big and tires they, on it so they can land anywhere. Yep. And, Take uh, off, have a little landing strip by the yep, house that they can a, set it in on. Or a plane, you know. Yeah. Landed on the lakes, landed on the rivers, you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't them. realize that because people were telling me, you know, before I went up, they said, well, you know, you're going to have to fly on a little plane everywhere. And I was like... I don't know. That sounds like a luxury, you know. I don't. I don't have to fly everywhere. Yeah. And sure enough, we were jumping in these De Havilland Beavers and, you know, Aronkas and Pipers and flying around. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Landed on gravel beaches and landing in lakes. It was super cool, but it was the only way to get around. Yeah, most of these guys are turning wrenches on their own equipment. Oh, yeah. Well, again, Bill, you, <clears throat> you land somewhere and it doesn't start. There's no AAA. <laughs> yeah. Can I call an Uber? <laughs> They're Is not coming Uber to get you. Available? Well, I mean, somebody's coming to get you, but it's not help. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hairy man. <laughs> hey, can I help you with that plane? Maybe, <laughs> maybe a Grizz, too. <laughs> yeah, Grizz. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, crazy. And I'll tell you something. Jerry's a stand-up guy. And, Jerry, I know you're listening. God bless you, my friend. You're a good bugger. And, uh, you know, uh, he's a stand-up guy. And, you know, like Jerry said, he lives uh, about 20 miles from Mount St. Helens. Mm. And uh, only recently, uh, he was telling me he was hearing some strange noises in the woods uh, outside of where he lives, uh, hooting and uh, whooping and stuff, you know. Mm. And I said, well, Jerry, you know, what do you think, man? Ain't too many things that make those kind of noises (laughs) out there unless you got some weird neighbors. Well, in addition to the weird neighbors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Whoop. (laughs) yeah it's funny that he lives there in the heart of things and like he says i've never seen anything you know but just because you live where they are doesn't mean you're going to see anything no and the places are just so vast you know yeah Yeah. even even around there in washington state you know having lived there it's vast you know well even like where i live kev you want to talk about vast wilderness uh the next neighbor living closest to me is, geez, what, 75 feet away? I mean, anything anything could be here wandering around that type of wilderness. <laughs> Maybe a stray cat. <laughs> God forbid. I just looked outside. Uh, folks, it's dark here now as my brother and I begin this recording. Uh, and I'm out in the back deck with the light on the back of the house illuminating part of the yard. And I saw the backside of a raccoon walking away into the shadows. Yeah. So those buggers are out there all the time, you know. Mm. 
fat little rump. Not shape-shifting lot. ones, though, right? No shape-shifting raccoons that I know of. Okay, fair enough. You know, they could be, but I haven't seen one shifting. Because I heard your neighbor was a shape-shifting raccoon. <laughs> I'm going to tell him that next time I'm up there. Hey. But, hey, listen, man, speaking of shifting, Kev, and I know this is a podcast about all kinds of stuff, but, man, I am really digging shifting that WRX. Oh, man. yeah, you're happy with that pick, huh? Yeah, that thing is like a motorcycle with seats in it. I told you you were going to have some fun with that. You laughed at me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, you know, when I looked up just today what WRX stood for, and it's like a special division of uh, Subaru that was working on the rally cars yeah. and, and uh, World Rally Experimental. Yeah. And, uh, you know, boy, they nailed it, man. I am telling guys, if you're looking for something fun to drive, grab a hold of a six speed Subaru WRX turbocharged and have at it, man. That car is six a freaking- speed manual. Yeah. Yeah, that car is a freaking gas, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's really a good value. It's a very good value car, too. Yeah. No, yeah. it's fantastic. Cool, man. Well, we got a lot of people that wrote in this week, but they didn't write in about Subaru WRXs. Not oh, yet. Come on. What's wrong with them? Maybe next week. Maybe next week. <laughs> but James <laughs> wrote in from Dallas with some good creep. News. <laughs> yeah, need a little creep. The subject is black-eyed children. Oh no! <laughs> That's a lovely car you have, WJ. <laughs> Can I come in and borrow your phone? Sure, as long as you don't mind me busting you upside the head, you wanna, little black eye creep. I want to call a couple of my friends so they can come and see your car, too. <laughs> Maybe we could all hang out together in your basement. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> so James from Dallas writes, Hi, Bill. Hi, Kevin. Loving the podcast, as always. This is James in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Bill, I see the big guy is on the prowl on your premises. Lots of laugh. <laughs> Kevin, I've seen a fairly recent sighting of a black-eyed child. To me, the <laughs> creepiest of the supernatural. Sending you all a link. Hope it works. I actually read a few articles on this. Much love, my brothers. Stay safe and well. By the way, they just want to use your phone. Maybe get a ride. <laughs> You are darn right there, James. <laughs> They're innocent kids. Just want to use a phone. Right. Nothing to get upset about. That's right. Come on in. I think it's kind of cool how I can look back through your ring camera and see you standing in your kitchen. <laughs> Nothing creepy about that. Nothing at all. <laughs> Well, I'd say James is pretty gassed up down in Texarkana. Yeah, that's a good that's a good article too, James. I'm gonna take a look at it at a future podcast. So thanks for the tip and always have time for some creepy black eyed children. <laughs> All oh, right, our God. next email comes in from Joel. And uh-huh. the subject is Emily's Bridge. And if you remember we talked about Emily's Bridge a couple of episodes ago. 
creepy. Yeah, what is he like to camp out over there or something? Well, let's hear what he has to say. (laughs) Hey, Kevin and Bill, I just listened to your podcast about Emily's Bridge in Stowe, Vermont, and Mm -hmm. I wanted to inform you of the official name Goldbrook Bridge. I lived in Stowe for 10 years, and my friends and I would pan for gold in the stream below the bridge. We were mildly successful in getting a few small nuggets, nothing big, but many years ago that stream was a hot spot for panning for gold. Hmm. This is this it was this is why it was named Gold Brook. I never went there after dark and never felt any creepy vibes. However, my wife went to high school in the neighboring town, and she told me that it was a popular place to go after dark for a good, solid scare. (laughs) I bet. She never saw anything, but a a few of her friends swear they witnessed the ghost of Emily. You guys are terrific. Yours is the first podcast I listened to on Monday morning, when I start my week, keep up the great work. Well, thanks, okay, Joel. So. And get out there after dark and check out this bridge next time you're back there. Yeah, maybe Why you don't could you try give, it? <laughs> you know, maybe you could give a couple of black-eyed children a ride so they could protect you. Yeah, try a little backstroke in the river. See if something pulls you under. They're quite useful. <laughs> You know, it's interesting how he says his, uh, what was this, his wife when she was in high school? Yeah. It's interesting how these locations uh, seem to have an effect locally on people who want to get creeped out, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got to go and check that stuff out if you're a high schooler. Again, you're, yeah, just, you're too dumb to be afraid of anything. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you know, the boys want to make their impression on the young girls. Oh, yeah. Scary brave enough to go over there, you know. Come on. What are you afraid? Uh, I, I ain't a scared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you afraid as a rope drops down around their oh, neck and they get jacked oh. up to the rafters? <laughs> All right, Bill, I got one here that's pretty wild. It's right up your alley. All right. Russell from Texas, another Texan. Mm-hmm. He says, did you know that St. Christopher was a dog man? Oh, come on. (laughs) The Greek Orthodox call him Sinocephalon, a painting of him carrying the Christ child. You can find online through church records, dogmen were fierce war parties. Your all podcast is awesome. Peace of Christ be with you both. Russell from Texas. I don't know what to say, Bill. Apparently, you yeah. didn't know St. Christopher was a dog man either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the boy needs to put the pipe down. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes you got to put the pipe down. Maybe maybe go to confession. Russell, just put the pipe down. It'll be okay. Probably don't want to type us emails after you were smoking the pipe. Say, say Christopher was a dog, man. That's got to be That's got to be the craziest thing I've heard all year. I saw it, Bill, and I was like, all right, we're doing this one. Yeah, St. Christopher the shapeshifter. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. All right. So our last email comes in from Brad. And uh, the, ty- the subject is Yeti Massacre 
Dyatlov Pass documentary. And he says, greetings, KJ and WJ. Was curious if either of you happened to catch the new documentary on the Dyatlov Pass incident on Discovery called The Yeti Massacre. It features Bryce Johnson of Expedition Bigfoot and a host of others. So many theories of government cover-ups, a planted spy among the group now, and of course, the Yeti himself. These make that incident and the new documentary a very interesting topic of conversation. Keep up the great work and God bless Brad. Did you? Now, Kev, had you heard anything of that? Because I didn't. Oh, I, I saw it, yeah. You did? Yeah, it was on a few weeks ago. It was. Huh. It had some new footage and stuff too that I hadn't seen before. It was it was well done. I'm gonna have to try to tie into it and see if I can catch yeah, up you with f- it because I didn't it. see it and I usually catch everything. Yeah, it was. I mean, Brad, you're right. It was pretty good. You know, I I've covered the Dyatlov Pass. I've read and watched and looked at all of the original photographs. I mentioned in that podcast, you can actually, at least back then, you could find. Uh, a copy of every picture in order from their 35 millimeter film roll on their cameras online. I mean, super cool. Yeah. But this yeah. was like, wow, man, this was, that was pretty good, Brad. You got to find it, Bill. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and you, you know my feelings on that, because we talked about this before. In that roll of film, there was a lot of pictures taken of what seemed to be just the trees. Yeah, the woods, looking at and the I woods. And I said to myself on first blush that there had to have been something moving or flashes of something that they saw that they were hoping to catch on film. So they were snapping shots. They do. They talk about that extensively. They also cover, it's pretty interesting how the mood of the folks changed. Like, if you look at them in the pictures, they're having a good time. And then right around that, when they start taking the picture of the woods for a few days, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's smiling. Yeah, the expression is one of worry. Yeah. And then they showed uh, a picture of that that they took near like a marking on a tree that, remember those indigenous people there, I think they called it the Manx. And it was like a warning of the Manx. Right, like you've entered their territory. Yeah, which is their Yeti, their word Mm -hmm. for Yeti. Yeah. So pretty, pretty creepy. So definitely, uh, Brad, it was a good, uh, good documentary, one of the better ones. So folks out there, if you haven't seen it, look it up. Yeti Massacre, the Dyatlov Pass documentary. Discovery Mm -hmm. put it on. Yeah. And uh, I can't believe, I can't even fathom. Uh, being in their position at the time. And once again, folks, I don't believe any of those people were carrying a gun. No, I don't think so. I think they were just college students out with their supplies. Yeah, the Uh, one guy was an older guy, though, the lead guide, and he was super experienced. mm -hmm. They covered that and talked about him, you know, just really strange. Yeah, not experienced enough to be carrying a freaking 12-gauge. <laughs> and if that thing had attacked them near the tent and he unloaded a couple of rounds of freaking double-aught buck, they probably would have been alive to tell the tale of what happened. But such was not the case. You're not going to take on the Manx with a freaking pocket knife. you got to throw some lead at him, you're saying. Now, I could take him on with a pocket knife, mm. but your average person, 
I think you, know, you I think you'd bite them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my God! Well, that's good stuff, Kev. I mean, yeah, that's that's it for the mail this week. Good stuff, folks. Keep the keep the emails coming at bigfoottearinthewoods.com and keep those five star reviews coming too on your favorite podcast player. We love to hear from you. Yeah, and go out and buy a couple of books, folks. Leave some good reviews on the books on Audible and, and paperback too. You know. Yeah, send a couple of notes to my brother telling him to buy the uh, train ticket for me. Yeah, I'll get you a ticket from Ronkonkoma to Jamaica. <laughs> That's quite an adventure, too. <laughs> I had the camera met ready. I might see the hairy man there. <laughs> you might see him at the train station in Jamaica. And nobody <laughs> would even notice him. <laughs> Is that a Bigfoot? Yeah, he always hangs around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Got a cardboard sign. We'll work for food. <laughs> take my picture. Take your picture with me for a buck. Yeah, well, you know, that was a good podcast, Kim. Good podcast. And folks, remember, if you should be finding yourself wandering around uh, mountains and hills of Colorado or anywhere else for that matter, you best remember one thing. Always carry more guns. Then you think you're going to need sleep tight. <laughs>